Hey, everybody. This episode is brought to you by our proud title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, the next generation of off-ice hockey training for players and goalies. Look, we know how much you invest in your children's hockey development, the early mornings, the travel, and let's not forget the expenses of training for hockey camps, private ice time, the general expenses of the season. It's a lot. But wouldn't it be great to bring that on-ice practice experience home that's fun, fits into your schedule, and that's affordable? If you said yes, which I'm sure you did, you've got to check out NHL Sense Arena. It's a top-tier virtual reality training game that brings the on-ice practice experience home so you can practice anytime and anywhere, literally. You can transform any part of your home into a virtual ice rink where you're getting unlimited access to over 100 drills, training plans from top coaches and players, weekly drill challenges, and more that focus on improving hockey sense and physical cognitive skills, starting at just $33 per month. That is a lot cheaper than an hour of ice time. The physical side of hockey gets a lot of attention, but we don't focus enough on the mental side of it. It's something we talk about on this show all the time. NHL Sense Arena provides an immersive solution for players to sharpen those skills when ice time is limited or not affordable and they want to get those extra reps in. So for our listeners, NHL Sense Arena is offering an exclusive $50 off their annual plan all you got to do is head over to their website, hockey.sensorina.com. Again, hockey.sensorina.com and use our code hockey never stops and you'll level up your off-ice training by using NHL Sensorina. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us and NHL Sensorina. Enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. What's up, everybody? It's Lee. You're back for another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Got a great guest today, Larry Sprung, who's a wealth and financial manager and advisor. Uh, we realize we never have done a show about kind of financial literacy or financial health within hockey. Uh, and I'll tell you what, this turned out to be just another fantastic uh, conversation. We got some tips, tricks, and hacks for you as a hockey parent, and also getting a larger discussion of you know how to make the game more affordable, and does it really need to be as expensive as it is? Anyway, great conversation. We know you're going to love it, so check out this episode with Larry Sprung. Also want to let you know and remind you that uh, we partnered up with WorldHockeyHub.com. Uh, if you're a hockey manager or you know a hockey manager, which all of us do, uh, take a look at this website, WorldHockeyHub.com. Uh, it's a great place to see rankings but also find tournaments in uh, other places where your team can play this upcoming season. Again, had conversations with them one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. They contacted us. Really like the way that they do their business. I really like the way that they're running it. They, they kind of have the same morals that we do. So check them out at worldhockeyhub.com. And without further ado, make sure to enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Remember, if you like it, subscribe, like, follow, whatever the buzzword is, wherever you're at. Five-star reviews, it really does help us out. We really do appreciate it um, and how much this audience grows week to week. So here we go with this episode. Enjoy it. And I will talk to you before the next episode, or you'll hear me in about five seconds start this episode. Here we go. Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. I'm Lee Elias, and I'm joined, as always, by Christy Casciano-Burns and Mike Benelli, my very good friends. And we are pleased to be joined today by both a hockey lifer and the founder and wealth advisor at Midland Financial, Larry Sprung. Larry is also the host of Midland Money Mindset, a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. And he has appeared on numerous podcasts and in the media speaking most recently on CNBC about money and parenting, something we're going to be diving into today for sure as hockey parents. Uh, Larry grew up playing hockey, starting with the Little Rangers, which is part of the reason he's a big New York Rangers fan. I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that at some point today. And Larry played for North Rockland High School and went on to play college for Binghamton University. And most recently, Larry played in hockey fundraising events for Team Israel. That sounds exciting. I want to talk about that, too. Everything in this intro I want to talk about. One of Larry's passions is raising awareness also for mental health. He spent over 12 years serving on the national board of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and sits on its financial and investment committees. With his wife, Denise, he has raised more than $1.7 million for the organization through the Keith Milano Memorial Fund, which was created in memory of his brother-in-law. Larry is a level four USA hockey coach and is above all a hockey dad to two boys who both love the game. Larry, we've got a ton to discuss with you today, but first let's welcome you to Our Kids Play Hockey. Hey, thanks for that great introduction, Lee. Nice to uh, to see you, uh, Lee, Mike, and Christy. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here and uh, thank you for uh, including me today. 
No, it's, it's really our pleasure. And we're really excited to dive into you on really so many fronts. Uh, there's a lot we want to go over here. Uh, for those of you listening at home, yes, we are going to dive into the financials of hockey today a bit. And this is the person you want to listen to. But before we do that, I think it's very important, Larry, let's talk about your kids. Where are they on their hockey journey? And how has that been for your family? It's our kids play hockey before yeah. everything else, right? It's been a great journey so far, and uh, my oldest son is uh, finishing up his freshman year at Drexel and playing uh, ACHA Division One club hockey there. Right down um, the street and, from me. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. and then my, uh, my youngest son, who's finishing up his sophomore year of high school, is at uh, Shattuck St. Mary's uh, wow. and in their program and uh, just competed for the national championship just a few weeks ago. Yeah, for, for those who don't know, uh, some pretty notable players played at Shattuck St. Mary's. Uh, you might have heard of some of them, Cindy Crosby, amongst uh, really every other HL <laughs> star that went through a high school team. Um, no, Larry, that's awesome. And, and again, we heard from you in the pre-show and, and, and when I was emailing back and forth, your family is totally into the game. This is something that's really been driving your family. Uh, your wife, who was emailing with me, said that you know you, your family has learned so much from the game. You want to just talk a little bit about that, about yeah. what hockey's meant to your family? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it and having you, having you say that, but uh, you know, the game has given me so much personally that it was great when I saw my kids take an interest in it and uh, continue and have it stick. And uh, one, one of the things that I've always said is that hockey is not a sport. I mean, ultimately it is, but it's really a lifestyle that surrounds a great game and it's afforded myself personally and now through my kids and our family a lot of great opportunities from from the sport and you know some of them you mentioned like playing with the Israeli national team uh, a couple of times and you know one one of the stories that I like to tell is I you know I played at Binghamton University which at the time was a club team and I was uh, walking down the streets of Lake Placid another great hockey town and uh, literally walked past the guy he kind of looked familiar to me he was looking at me we probably walked six feet past each other turned around and it was a guy that I played college hockey with and it was like I seen him yesterday you know <laughs> and, and that you know those are the kinds of things that you get from from this lifestyle and this community it's just a it's it's a great sport to be around they're great people and it, it doesn't matter if you're pro or you're ACHA or club, or you're just a rec league or a men's league player. It doesn't matter. There's such a level of respect and camaraderie in the sport that it's, uh, it's like a lifetime, you know, membership, if you will. Well, I know both my co-hosts can speak to that. You know, it, it, what's amazing. And this is what I love about podcasting and, and really the world today with the world being flat, you know, for a while there, the hockey community was just shouting for attention, right? Because it's, it's not the biggest community in the world, but with, the advent of social media and podcasts like this, we've all been able to find each other and really share stories. I think that's one of the reasons this podcast is so successful. Um, but let's jump into the burning question here, Larry. I don't even know how to unpack this, right? Hockey <laughs> is a very affordable sport. We all know that, right? It's just, oh, yeah. you know, you know, you can save for it affordable? on the weekends. Very affordable. No, <laughs> massive sarcasm there. Uh, it's one of the most, if not the most expensive team sport out there, right? Um, and, you know, yeah. the way I wrote this question is what's your tips, tricks and hacks, but I, I don't even know how to uncover the conversation about finances and hockey. I, I can tell you that Christy is towards the end of that journey <laughs> of, of outpouring money. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> right. No, no. Mike's in the middle of it. I'm at the start of it. Um, but, we, you know, as a wealth manager, I mean, how do you even begin to, to budget for this? Um, and, and there are so many families out there that, um, that, that struggle, but make it work. Right. Yeah. I, I think about that. Right. Where do we even start with unpacking this? Yeah. I mean, talking about struggle, I mean, one story that stands out to me, you know, personally, is I was, I was standing next to a fellow parent many years ago uh, and they were on my older son's team and they were a family of two teachers. And he basically told me how he was looking forward to starting his summer job. And I, I said, oh, you know, where's the, you know, what's the enthusiasm for the summer job? Do you like that so much more than teaching? And he's like, no, I have to work my summer job essentially to pay off all the debt that I wow. rang up on my credit cards 
throughout the year as a, as a, uh, as a teacher. And my summer job basically pays those bills. And that story really still rings true in my head. And I start thinking about that. And, you know, I, I think it comes down to a lot, of, a lot of what we do on a regular basis. And I, I think what happens is, you know, with this sport, we become reactionary many times. And we basically are in a situation where our kids want an opportunity, they come and ask us for it, and we react and we don't want to say no, instead of being a little bit proactive about it from a financial aspect. And what I mean by that is, like everything else we do in life, there should be a why behind this. Why are we, why are we getting up at 5am and going to the rink? Why are we packing up the car every weekend? You know, why are we doing this? You know, determine what that why is, and then kind of figure out what the family can afford to do that why, right? And create a budget that you can stay within over the course of the year and try to stick with it. You know, there are going to be instances where you may have to splurge a little bit outside the lines, understood. But if you create that budget and then stay within it as far as what the family can afford, you know, you'll you'll be able to get enough training, you'll be able to get enough repetitions, you'll be able to, you know, play the game you love. And uh, I, I think that that's a very important piece. And I think we get wrapped up many times, you know, thinking about the end goal as the why, which is, you know, college scholarships, or, you know, NHL, whatever, whatever that may be, those higher aspirations. And the reality is, in most cases, that's an unattainable goal. I mean, right. it's something that you, you know, you don't want to tell your kids that necessarily you want to give them the opportunities, but you know, that shouldn't be the why per se. Right. And what you want to do, because I, I think it's pretty evident if you take all this money that you're spending over these years of travel hockey and you don't put it in travel hockey and you throw it in an account, probably at even zero interest, no return on it you'll probably have a, almost a full ride for your, for your son and daughter at that point. So right. I think the first thing is determining that why, kind of figuring out a family budget that's going to be something that you can afford in the framework of the number of kids you have, you know, in terms of that's not going to bankrupt the family. And then, you know, kind of maybe adjust that on an annual basis based upon facts and circumstances, maybe based upon your kid's level of play or where, you know, where they're heading in, in the years to come, but kind of figure that out on a year to year basis and stick with it. Right. And Larry, I think parents, especially first starting out, they need to know there are a lot of hidden costs with hockey that make it comes up during the season. You don't plan for it it wasn't in the rundown in the sheet that the coach gives you you know like they say this is how much money you should you're going to spend throughout the year all of a sudden things come up gas goes up you know an extra trip is in there an extra tournament so families have to be prepared I try to like during the summer I squirrel money aside and I you know I have a hockey account because no matter what these costs jump out at you and, if you and you don't want to go in debt. You don't want to put it in your credit card. So the best way to do it is budget in the summertime, set aside money. That's what I always did. Are there other ways that you can save? Yeah. I mean, we used to double up. Basically, we used to look at the kids tuition and basically in our minds, more or less double up that tuition as the total cost, right? In terms of all those additional costs that uh, you're going to incur and have. But yeah, I mean, listen, you have to figure out just just to your point, Christy, uh, just like everything else, you know, you got to determine what that overall budget is. And if you don't know what the overall budget is, because maybe you're a newer hockey family and don't understand those other costs that are going to come into play outside of the equipment and the tuition, then I highly suggest you kind of ask a family who's been involved in hockey for a while and ask them what is a reasonable expectation. And then, like I said, you know, create that overall budget and then figure out how to save for that on a monthly basis. And maybe you're in a business where you are able to save more during different times of the year. So you have to maybe account for a higher level of savings during those times of years. But you certainly don't wanna just be in a position where you gotta put this lump sum of money aside and, uh, you know, and do it all in one shot, doing it over, you know, an incremental period of time is far better than, uh, than doing it in one shot for sure. Great advice. Great advice. I'll also say, and, and just reading Mike's mind here, you know, you don't always have to buy the team branded stick cover 
that everyone's getting towards the last month of the season. Uh, you know, that reminded me of that because during this season, again, my son's first season was last season. I was amazed how many, we got hats, we got jackets, we got this, we got that. It's like, wow, okay, I don't really want or need all of that. Um, and then, you know, over the, but my teammates are getting it. Well, you know, son, how are you going to earn it? That's something else I go into. Um, FOMO is a great motivator in our sport. It really is. You know, it's a, it's an unbelievable motivator. I, I remember a, a story about FOMO, a friend of mine, he, you know, his kids are growing up now and he was laying on the couch on a Friday night. His kids were home and his wife, you know, pops up at like six o'clock and says, you got to get to the Friday night clinic with the kids. And my buddy's like, what do you, I got to get to the, what do you mean? I'm laying on the couch. The kids are relaxed and they're having a good time. What do you mean? Well, you got to get out. They, they got to skate. And he's like, um, for what? He's like, they're going to miss tonight and not make the team in the, right. sp-. you know, he's like, I, I don't get it. But there's that, that, you know, the sport kind of elicits that type of FOMO, fear of missing out. And I think that resonates not only for the skating component, but, you know, to your point, those extra added, right? You don't need everything branded, you know, you know, you're not going to be, uh, you're not going to be dinged by the ownership group if you don't walk in with a, uh, a you know, fully, <laughs> right. fully branded uh, attire to the game, you know. So I, I think that's a good point as well. And, you know, to Christie's point, those are some of those costs that sometimes right. we don't think about when we're looking to play, play the sport and, and with a team. Yeah, you know, I'm just taking notes here on what you're saying. A couple of things that stood out to me already. I'm just going to do this throughout the episode is uh, I love the idea of like doubling up on your dues. Um, I think that's actually a really great starting point. Like I know how much my son's uh, organizational costs are for next year. I think you're right. Doubling that is a good starting point uh, yeah. at minimum. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, another minimum. one, <laughs> minimum, yeah, no, minimum, big time. It, it, the other one, it, you know, this is a simple one that we don't do. Ask other families. Yeah. That is, that is fantastic advice. You know, we talk a lot on the show, how hockey families can be guarded against each other. Because like, well, I don't want to, Mike, right? I don't want to tell them what my kids do in private lessons and what that costs because then my, that other kid <laughs> might do private, you know, talk about FOMO, right? Um, but those are two great ones. The other one too is, and this kind of brings up the next question is, you know, what are you actually investing in? Um, I find that this is where the, the waters get pretty muddy sometimes. Like you should not be investing. You, you brought this up, Larry. It's a great point. You're not investing in hockey so your kid gets a scholarship to the NHL. You might as well buy lottery tickets if you're going to do that. I'm not insulting anyone's kid with that. Larry's right. We all know this. If your kid has that dream, pursue the dream, but understand as a parent, the reality of that dream, right? It's extremely hard. So the way I look at my investment is not, okay, he's going to get a scholarship or my daughter will get a scholarship. It's I'm investing in helping him build life skills, become a good teammate, to be competitive, all the other stuff that comes out of the game. Keeping in mind, my son is eight, eight and a half. All right. When, when you're 18, this is a different conversation for sure. Right. But but I think it's important um, from a psychological standpoint, Larry, you know, to, to identify, you know, what are you really investing in? Right. Can, can you expand on that a little bit more? Maybe how how you. Yeah. Look at and, that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's an evolutionary process, too. Right, Lee. Right. When 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 your son or daughter's eight years old, I think you have to take the the, uh, you know, the view that 100 percent this is like you said, it's for fun. Right. You know, my view had always been, even to today, is number one is fun, right? Because if it if you don't like it, then you shouldn't be doing it. Number two is those life skills and learning how to interact with teammates and in a in a sport environment, right? And and making sure that you understand how it is to be a teammate, right? And what it means to be a good. Uh, teammate and what it takes to be an athlete, right? right. Because it, there's some regiment to it. There's a lot of discipline to it. So I think that those are a lot of the most important pieces that come from, you know, being a hockey player. And I, I think, again, going back to what we said earlier, it's one of the greatest sports. So just being a part of that community is the investment. And, you know, we, we've always said, my wife and I have always taken the ilk, really, we'd rather our kids be in a rink on Friday and Saturday night than being in a parking lot causing right. trouble and and drinking or doing stupid stuff and the sport allows us to do that so i think that that's the kind of mentality as your son or daughter gets older you know you're going to have a better indication and i don't mean older like 10 i mean older like 15 16 right. 17 you start seeing a different 
view of the sport. You get a better idea of where they are, if they're still sticking with it, where are their level. And that may change some of that methodology on what you're investing in. But I think those basic tenants that we just kind of laid out for eight-year-olds is really, you know, where it should, the lion's share of that emphasis should lie. And, I, you know, from my own personal experience sharing now, you know, my uh, freshman in, in college, uh, he'll go on a Friday night, even during outside a hockey season, and he'll go to an open skate at the rink where, where, uh, where he skates out of. I did the same and you know thing. what? Yeah. I'd rather him there yeah. than going out to a frat party that he'll get himself in trouble. And there are plenty of kids getting themselves in trouble. And, you know, he likes that discipline. He doesn't want to, you know, he likes going to the gym. So he's in that regimen still, even though he's not playing competitively year round or has to, but he's still got that regimen. So I think you got to invest in that really the life skills, the development, the character, um, because no matter what, that will help them get into college regardless. And right. how many kids do you focus on those, you know, unattainable or really far reaching goals? And then you find out that the kid at 12 or 13 doesn't want to play anymore. Right. You know, we had a so, guest on like that. We had a guest on who his kid went all the way to 18 and then just did not want to do it. And I remember he, him saying first was, we just spent all this money. And then he kind of quickly was like, but it was worth it because of what he got, right. but man, it was a lot of money. Um, I, I think first off the parents listening to the show probably share this mindset, but I also know that there's parents out there that say it, Oh, that's why we're doing it. But secretly <laughs> they're going, well, I, I want my kid to go to the NHL. <laughs> it, it's just about keeping perspective um, in, in how hard this journey is. We, we say this all the time. There's nothing wrong with having a dream. And I think sometimes pursuing a dream and not accomplishing it is actually really important, especially at a young age, because that's the way the world works. Right. Um, and if you can dust yourself up, get up again and pursue something again, that's really how success is found. I mean, that's what the game largely did for me. The, the pain, there's probably more pain in the game for me than there was elation. Really, when you think about it, it was winning is really hard. Um, right. I want know, to bring Mike into the conversation. I got a question. Mike's got to want to come into the conversation. He's been staring at me since. I think, I think this will drama. Plus, also, um, I'm pretty sure my college hockey play daughter is not at the rink on Friday night. <laughs> she's found her, her teammates found a good party, which is fine. I mean, she's enjoying college life, and I get that because I mean, come on, college. That's okay. So parents, it's not always like that. Experience <laughs> the college clan life. comes to town. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, it might be what he's telling me versus what he's doing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. He's going, he's going to a bar Just called open. Check his Instagram yeah. account. You probably yeah. will find out. He may not be at the rink on Friday nights, but anyway, um, Mike, and, and this is something I think, you know, we've talked about before is a lot of parents get caught up in thinking more expensive hockey equals better hockey. Mm -hmm. Let's bust that rumor right now. Let's bust that myth. Yeah, I mean, it's so depressing talking about trying to manage your finances for your kids to be active. I mean, it's almost absurd. I mean, it's really, it really is. I mean, to me, it's so it, it if if you wanted your son or daughter to be at the highest level of anything, this would not be the way to do it. The way we're doing it, it just it wouldn't be. It would be just to Larry's point. It, if at the end of your athletic journey, you want to have all these life skills built in and the love of what you're doing, then you wouldn't follow the path that we all follow because the overwhelming majority of, of children that quit and don't play college hockey or don't play ACHA, don't play division one. There's many, many more of them that don't. Right. So if, if 8% of the kids that we're talking about right now at 13 years old play some type of hockey after high school, then we're failing. We failed we, miserably. I mean, and so when I have to hear, you know, it, it is, it's, it's so disheartening to hear somebody trying to, you know, uh, if a parent has to sit there and budget out their season and say, well, how am I going to afford to do this? At, and at the end of the day, Larry, right, go see your financial advisor and say, I'm going to give you the $24,000 you spent on 10 U hockey last year. And I'm going to help you manage that. And guess what I can, and I'll even tell you, how to put your kid in the NHL because the way you're doing it is wrong. It, 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 and I think it's, it's not, it's about love. It's about athleticism. It's about being in the moment. It's about 
you know, ice time. All of this stuff is a fallacy. It's all BS. It doesn't cost a lot of money. It, it's not overwhelming. It's not. I just I just came from Finland. Every single kid that wants to play a sport plays a sport. Every kid. There's no there's zero financial barrier to any child. So to, to, to hear and, and Larry, you're from. Well, you know, you're on our side of the of the coast. Right. So if you're in Long Island or New York or Fairfield County, it is disgustingly absurd about what athletics costs. I mean, I do lacrosse. Outrageous. Lacrosse is similar. Outrageous. Yeah, There's a similar. field. There's a grass field. And they don't have that. I've already paid for it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm paying for it. I don't get it. Like, and so, so when we talk about, you know, to Christy, to your point, and, and the only reason I was silenced, because I, I really like hearing Larry and I, and I, and his podcast is great. So, but I didn't want to go off on a soapbox. But the problem is here, we, we, <laughs> we want talking, you to go on a soapbox. That's we're, we're talking, we're talking about, box. we're talking about financially <laughs> managing your life. So that your kids can run around it is, wow. is the most, I mean, even hearing it. And yeah. so, so I'm like, you know, and I think yeah. that, and the, and the, and there is no secret sauce. It's, it's literally, if you ask your children, what do you, do you love hockey? I love hockey, dad. Okay. You want to play every day? Yes. I want to play every day. Okay. There are systems out there where you can play hockey every single day for the start, the price of a Starbucks coffee. Everyone, right. everyone can do it. It's we, we choose to put our seven and six and eight year olds. When I see a Facebook message from somebody that's sending their kid to Quebec and they're doing a fundraising tournament or a fundraising uh, drive and like, we want to raise money for my, I go, you want to raise money for your kid to play in the Quebec tournament? Screw you. Like, what, what, are, you, what are you crazy? That's, that's $8,000 for you to go on an exclusive event. Don't tell me you can't afford it. Tell me you cho- you're choosing. And Larry, you do this all the time, right? When people say I can't afford that, fi- I, I, uh, Larry, what? How can you tell me? And I was an admissions director for a number of years at a prep school, and I would have people every day. Uh, my financial advisor says I need financial aid. Great. Um, what do you need? Well, you know, it's really hard for us to afford to go to the school. How much is the school? It's the for, let's make believe it's a local high school, right in Long Island. It's fourteen thousand dollars a year. Oh, really? Well, I, can I get financial aid? And then aren't you looking at these people's finances? And go. Well, let me tell. You, let me ask them. You have a you have a boat. <laughs> on the Long Island Sound, you just drove up here in a Range Rover. You're choosing that where you want to spend your money, right? So I think we can we can 100%. we can all do a much better job. And and unfortunately, to Larry's point, and Christy and, and Lee, you've seen this just in your life of hockey. Nobody realizes it. If you talk to every parent of a 19, 20 year old, they're all they all say the same thing. We all sound the same. It's the it's the parent of the five year old. That, that just says, oh, well, my kid's not that kid. I hear you, Mike. <laughs> I understand it, but that's, that's all those other kids. That's just not my kid. And that's our problem. Our, our problem is we've lost, I mean, forget about perspective. We've lost all reality in the fact that if our, our children's physical and mental health, if our number one thing was to give them the greatest chance to achieve all these goals, we wouldn't be doing what we're doing now. It's, it's nuts. It really is nuts. And I think I don't disagree with you. I don't, I think that the system is set up for this and listen, you know, as somebody who grew up playing hockey and and you guys as well, you know, it really, there's, there hasn't been any moving of the needle either. Right. So, you know, it's one of those sports that, you know, I, I agree with you, but you know, that, you know, we're choosing to do this. Uh, Unfortunately, I think there are families that do get involved with the sport, not realizing and are naive about the cost associated with it and kind of get wrapped up on the hamster wheel without knowing, you know, I listen, I got into this full, you know, eyes wide open. I knew what, what I was getting into. You know, I, I have people that ask me all the time about Shattuck, right? You know, they, oh, you know, what's, how did you get your son in there? I'm like, get my son in there. I'm like, I didn't do anything. I said, my son sent the the athletic director an email and that started off, I didn't do anything. And then they're like, you know, oh, you you must be getting a lot of financial aid because he's a decent player. I'm like, financial aid is for financial aid. You, they don't give any merit. Everybody pays the same tuition. And they're like, oh, that's, you know, that's a steep tuition. I said, well, when I started adding in what I was paying on Long Island to play, play tier one hockey and yeah. all the extras the you know, the, the physical therapy and the, the skates, and you start adding in all the travel, the hotels, I'm like, it's basically the same. And he's getting a much better education in the process. So, you know, but to your point, Mike, 
That's crazy that I even rationalize that that way, right? It shouldn't even <laughs> no, be but you're, like but that. that. You're, doing, you're, you're, you're doing your ROI. You're saying, okay, listen, I, I say this all the time. I tell parents every day that can't, they say they can't afford something. I said, let's, like, I joke around with a lot of the groups that I work with, especially youth hockey organizations, because it's our fault. It's USA Hockey. It's the governing body. It's the associations. It's the leagues. It's our fault. It's, it's we're creating an environment where we're, where, where we're building less hockey players. I, all I hear from USA Hockey, we got to grow the sport. We want to grow. We want to grow. You're actually diminishing the opportunity right. for more kids every day because of what you allow to happen. You don't have to be a part of an organization. But if you're going to be a part of an organization, you should be a part of an organization that's advocating for the child, not for their pocketbook. And, I, when I, and, I, and you see this in leagues everywhere, right? Somebody's, why are we paying this? And to your point, if I took one weekend tournament, I say this to parents all the time, and I joke around, like, I mean, some people are using abacuses. I like to use a Texas instrument, you know, calculator. I said, I don't know what you're using to do your math, but your math sucks. Like, you, you tell me, you know, 15, and Larry, you could tell me probably off the top of your head, 15 kids, a weekend hockey tournament, going to Buffalo, New York. What's that costing a team to do that? $20,000? Oh, $15,000? Easily. Right. So to me, I'm like, well, if I had a financial advisor, I'd be like, what can you give me for this $15,000 that I'm going to give you back? And you probably come like, I could give you, a, I could do a lot of things with that. And right. I think, and that's the way we, none of us look at this. I mean, you know, I, I go up to Buffalo, New York to play uh, the Long Island Gulls, the Long Island Royals and the Westchester Vipers. I go, what the hell am I doing here? I just traveled nine hours to play five teams that are five minutes from my rink. So I think it's, I think it's just all of us, and you speak about this actually with a lot of your guests on your podcast, which I love, is, is perspective, is reality. Um, but I think what we don't do enough is we don't push back on the fact that hockey is not expensive. You don't have to dedicate crazy hours anymore. Like the, the getting up at 5 a.m. stuff just doesn't exist anymore. I mean, there's, there's 27 rinks on Long Island. Or, there, you know, in my, like, uh, I mean, from where my house is. It existed for me last year, six... Mike. I got to say that. What's that? <laughs> it existed for me last season. I can well, tell but you. it doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. I know. To. Like, I, I building, agree. Jeez, like, I think it's crazy when people build hockey programs. And I did this for a long time up around here. You want to build a new hockey program. Why would you give your worst time to your newest kids? Like, if, if this is a recruiting video for parents, right. don't share it. You're never going to. I mean, right. I said, oh, guess right. what? Your kid's going to play hockey. He's going to get up at 430 in the morning. And then you'll hear the purest. Well, you got to, you got to, you know, strive to, to, to understand. You got to walk uphill both ways in the battle. snow like I did. Right. Right. I'm, like, I'm like, people don't want right. to do it. That's why nobody's playing the sport. If you look at the numbers, our sport is dying every day. And it's dying because of the way but, we're allowing the sport to go. Mike, and, you and, know, you know, the most dangerous phrase in the English language, right? Is this is the way we've always done it. Right. That is the most dangerous phrase. The other thing too is, and, and you make a good point, Mike, it's, you know, I look at um, not just USA hockey, but they've made it easier for you to get in the game from a cost perspective. You can get into the game for 150 bucks now, but the problem is, okay, I got them in the game. And then it's like, okay, your season dues are for the next season. It's like, I can't afford that. You know, so it's, it's <laughs> it went it's, from free to $4,000. Yeah, I, I don't understand how that's right. even a, a business model. And, and well, you, you look at, it. you look at yeah. the, you know, you look at the NHL teams that are doing these like learn to skate programs where you get outfitted for free. And we walk through the rink and see people dressing their kids for the first, second, third time. And we're, we're looking at them like, do you really have an idea of what you're getting into? Right. This is not costing you anything, but yeah. what's on the other side of this thing. And, and families don't understand. They don't know. Well, and that, that's part of the thing that bothers me. You know, let me lead into another question here, Larry, because I wrote this down. This is a little scoop for everybody. Christy and Mike don't know this, and our producer, Caitlin, doesn't. Um, <clears throat> this was a lesson for me in life that I think came actually a little too late. I remember when I was in college, and I, was, I played college hockey, and uh, this, Christy, this is going to shock you, but I failed a class in college, all right? I failed a class. I got an F, big F. Um, I, won't, I won't make excuses I will tell you that I took the course again and aced it. That's the, that's the end of the story. But I remember, this is where the story comes in. I called my father because I was really upset um, and I didn't think I deserved it. I felt bad because my, my, I was very blessed to be in a position where my college was being paid for. And I said, look, dad, um, like I want to pay for this class that, that I failed, right? And I said, what does it cost? And I'm thinking a couple hundred bucks, <laughs> right? And he <laughs> told me what it cost for one class. And I was silent. I, I never realized what it yeah. was costing, right? Just and here's the thing, never thought to ask. I was a teenager, right? It's just not in my mind. It's just, I'm doing this really fun thing and you know, I'm getting a, a nice ride for it. Um, what age is it appropriate, Larry, do you think to start having that conversation with your kids? Because I think something that, that 
my parents should have done, not that this was a mistake, was I think when I was 15, they should have sat me down and said, look, this is what it costs for you to play hockey this year. You don't owe us anything, but I want you to see what it costs. I want you to help us budget. Maybe put some of your own chore money into things. Like maybe we'll have a little fund here for sticks and skates where, you know, you have to pay 20% of it. I think we don't do enough at all. This is more on a human level just to teach budgeting, to teach financial mm-hmm. awareness, to teach financial health. We wait till we're in debt to do that. So at what age do you think that a father, a mother, and a son or a daughter should sit down and say, hey, like, let's look at the financials. Let me teach you some basic financial awareness. Yeah, I, I think is the earlier, the better. And the conversation just changes. I mean, you could start with your eight-year-old and kind of give them an indication. You know, you don't have to go doing budgeting with the eight-year-old, but they should have an understanding of what mom, dad, and, and uh, the family is putting behind them for this effort. And, you know, we had situations to your point earlier where our kids used to come and they wanted the branded jacket or the branded this. And we would say, hey, you know, holidays are coming up. Ask for it for your holiday gift in lieu of getting something else. You know, instead of getting an Xbox, if you want that jacket, ask grandma, pop, pop, or your aunt or uncle, let them get it. So we had those conversations very early on all throughout, even when, you know, my kids went to college, you know, and, and were continuing to play. They understood, uh, you know, my older son went to a college, uh, you know, at a higher price point than we were expecting as a family, but, you know, he understood that. And there were expectations. Yeah, there were expectations. (laughs) Listen, he went out, he went out and got himself the highest um, presidential scholarship he could get from Drexel. Uh, He even, he even, and I heard him do it. He called the school and called the aid department and tried to get them to give him another five or 10,000. He wasn't successful. (laughs) And then, you know, my, my younger son also, you know, he knows what shad it costs and he understands it. And, you know, we, we had certain expectations from him grade wise and hockey wise. Cause we said, if those two things are not going to happen, then there's no reason to go there. So I think, you know, to, to, to your question, Lee, the earlier, the better you start having those conversations and you don't have to do a full undress where the kid knows where every dollar right. and cent is going. Yeah. Uh, but there has to be buy-in that they understand what the cost is we used to show our kids the tuition we used to show them what the hotels cost yeah and so a lot of parents understand. don't do that and i'm yeah, sorry to cut I, you off that, yeah. i just want to say that because i think a lot of parents mike this is to your point they feel like well, i have to i have to shoulder this burden uh, and, and mike to your point it shouldn't be a burden right but larry here's right. the thing it's like no, but, they, but things cost money i mean you know it's just like bringing exactly. your kids to the grocery store like i had art i had my nine-year-old at the counter with me at the at the uh, lacrosse unlimited the other day and we got a mouth guard and some grip tape and something right. and, and, and and you know it seems like it came out to like 37.95 or something and he was there when the guy ran it like oh 37.95 he's like that's and he under I mean and not he goes that's expensive like right. he thinks thirty seven ninety nine is like seven hundred dollars but it doesn't right. matter like he's like he's that's like okay that's expensive I go yeah it's expensive I said you know so you know and I would say the same thing to you know your your son that's a, a you know your senior hockey goalie and he takes a, his brand new true you know AX nine and smacks it over the back of the net after a bad goal you're like you yeah. just cost me out. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, Larry, I don't know if I need to go over tuition with the kids, but there is value right in equipment. And the and the, the fact is, listen, you want to snap your stick on the bench. That's forget about the money. It's just the respect of the fact that somebody had to work yeah. to get that piece of equipment to you. So, Mike and Larry, I want to hear your thoughts on this, too. With my eight year old, we wanted to just build the awareness of like things cost money. Money has to be earned through work or through chores. And that's, that's how the system works. It's not, we just have unlimited money for you to spend. And, and I knew we were doing something right when my son said, you know, I have $10 that I earned and I want to buy this. And I, and I explained to him that if you buy this, the money disappears. <laughs> and, you know, you get to, and, and like- My son's just, been using the same $20 for five months. <laughs> I just- no, I'll to pay keep, for that. I'll, I'll yeah. pay for that Disney movie. I'll, do, I'll go, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, right. He'll give you the money and then the money goes back in the piggy bank and then you right. go back in. Right but back it's just like, him. but there is, there has to be some value, right? Well, I, just, I just wanted to create an awareness of like, look, yeah. things are not three and you have to earn things. You have to work to earn money and you can spend your money on the things that you want. I don't think a lot of people do that. I think it's just like, I'm gifting hockey to you because I'm a great parent. And it's, it's again, we talked about, you know, the lessons, what are, what are you They're investing value in? value it. Yeah, you have to teach the value. I, I, again, we talked about shouldering the I burden. Think, and I, teach I gotta, your kids financial I jump stuff. In here. Yeah, please do, yeah. So a great way to get the kids involved in helping pay for the cost for hockey is in the beginning of the year when you have your fundraisers, 
let's say you get the can you're doing the candy bar fundraiser right. you're doing bottling can parents don't take those candy bars to work you call the mall you call the grocery store and say hey can we set up a table outside the kids are selling not the parents make the kids go and collect all the bottles and cans in the neighborhoods make the kids sell the candy bars let them do the work or host uh they were waiter, uh, waiters and waitresses at a, a restaurant who let them take a percentage of uh the income that night they took over the restaurant so whatever we made that night they did it we yeah. just we just sat back and watched as parents let kids go to town <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Christy, if you, if we're just going to do that and sell it ourselves, you know, I don't know about you, but my time is pretty valuable. I'd rather just, <laughs> you know, take the money out of my pocket and throw it in there and, you know, not not have to bother other That's people right. to buy the stuff. So I, I agree. Listen, my kids have sold raffle tickets. They've sold, uh, you know, Apple earbuds, you know, for for hockey teams. Right. And and we do make them kind of shoulder some of that responsibility because I think it's important. And listen, every kid's different, but I think you know, to, to your comment, Lee, for, for a parent to say, hey, you know, my kid's entitled to this, they're not entitled to know, I think you lose part of that valuable lesson of the right. sport, which is, hey, you know, this is an expensive sport. And to Mike's point, it shouldn't be, but it is. And until that changes, you have to understand what the family's giving up. And, you know, there were times, for example, where we went up to our, you know, a place in Lake Placid to spend a night instead of a family vacation or something like that, because it was less expensive. So there were some give ups on their end, right? In terms of, hey, maybe we don't go on a big family vacation this, this year, because we've gone away on, you know, maybe 50 mini vacations from all the away games that we had. So, you know, I think having that conversation and having them understand that there's sometimes that give and take also, you know, maybe you're not going to Disney World this year or wherever amusement park because we, we've done this kind of along the way. So, you know, it's, it's age specific, but I, I don't think parents, I, I think parents lose out on that valuable lesson right. if they don't use it as a teaching tool. Yeah, and, and, and I just want, I just want to clarify something too on my end that, that I don't that I don't think the, the, the sport isn't expensive and shouldn't be expensive because it should be. If you're choosing to do the things that some of us do for hockey, listen, I like, I like, you know, if I like to run, I can certainly find ways to go running for free, but if I want to go to every marathon around the country, it's going to cost me money, right? If I'm going to be a specialist or go above and beyond what, what other people do in their sport, it, there is a price tag. I get all that. What I'm saying is none of us get the opportunity, you know, none of us, when we get into something new, understand that the alternatives are out there that still can, can produce what we want in the end. And right. I think, and I think that's really the only that the, the difference is we don't do a great job in any sport. I don't think of educating, you know, the I, I watched this Ranger rookie league, and I know Larry, you're involved with, and actually you're still involved with the Connick Hockey Foundation and and and, yep. play, and places like this, right? And we've we've interviewed Troy and and just knowing like what they do for outreach, and there's all these other opportunities still for outreach and for growing the game and bringing kids into the sport. But what we don't do is we don't educate and give opportunity to the, 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 all these, there's because the, 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 the numbers are bigger at the rec level than they are at the pro level. There's many. And so if all our goals, if I'm a hockey rink owner and my goal is to have a filled rink, then the, my goal should be to get as many shitty hockey, bad hockey players and, <laughs> and recreational players into my rink as possible. Right. Cause their money is the same as this guy's money. Like it's just the same. And right. actually I'd rather spend money in my rink then spend it at, uh, in, at mobile, uh, you know, the Marriott and, you know, Delta, like to me, there's, uh, there's just, there's just other options. And we talk about that all the time on this yeah. podcast, that there's, that there's so many more out there than just saying, I've got to go to the, the big city shootout in Chicago and the Nashville right. Smashville tournament with my seven-year-old. I, to me, it hey, just Mike, doesn't. Yeah, doesn't. I, I agree with you. I, I think, you know, the a rink's ideal client is somebody who starts out at mites and uh, goes through men's league, never goes to college, right? They're just, yeah, if you play in a uh, men's league game and a rink that you started in, you should actually get a discount. You, there, should be, there, should be, there should be some kind of- <laughs> Legacy, legacy you discount. You have gone cradle yeah. to grave in my rink 
I mean, Larry does this really cool thing, which is great. He, he's like, what rink is Larry at? Is that the name? <laughs> what rink is Larry yes. at? And he does yeah. this thing on social media, which I love. And because he's like, damn it, I'm, I'm tweeting all my friends. Like, what <laughs> rink is this? What rink is this? And, you know, sometimes it's pretty obvious, but sometimes it's, but it's, but it's, it's funny. It's like, well, yeah, it, it, I mean, to, to be in all these different rinks, you come up with a, a, a little fun thing to do. And you're like, I'm in every, I am in every goddamn rink there is. You know, this is crazy. <laughs> well, I, I got to yeah, tell I, you. I will tell you, this is, this yeah. isn't financially motivated, but you know, when, as my boys were, were going through the system and, and growing up a lot of times, you know, come like June, end of May, we stopped, they stopped playing, you know, not because USA hockey kind of had this idea that you should stop, but we found that if they stopped for a month or two, they would like, and, and they were really hungry come right. August. Right. You know, they were like, man, I haven't been on the ice for, you know, eight weeks. They were really, really hungry. And People used to come up to me, oh, you're not going to Lobster Fest or this fest or that <laughs> fest. And they're like, yeah, but Larry, oh, talk, you know. talk a little bit about the mental part of that, though, because I think we haven't gotten to that. And I know, Lee, I'm sure you have a question. To yeah. up, and I'm, I apologize. You can that. do but, it. No, go for it, Mike. This that, is, it's a team effort that's here. Mental. That's mental. That's not just physical. That's not just like I used to love that. I mean, by August, when I was a kid, I was like dying to get in the rink. Yes. Like, I, I'm like, I'm like, I want to go kill somebody like this is going <laughs> to be fun. Like, I'm going to get I'm going to start skating. I'm going to start moving. And, you know, but I started later in life, but I see that in my own kids. It's like anything else. If you can take something away, uh, my, my little guy loves key lime pie, loves it. We don't have key lime pie at the house. We go have key lime pie when we go to Florida. So it's like, oh my God, we're going to Florida. We're getting key lime pie. Like it's like the whole, the whole vacation is built around him getting this special treat. And I think if we could do that with sports. Hey, Christy, now more... we know what to get Mike for Christmas, yeah. by the way. Let's, let's know. <laughs> that right now. I'm a marshapine guy, but I think, but I think, I think if it's, I, I think it's, uh, but to your point, Larry, what did that do? What do you think, you know, from your own uh, anecdotal uh, experience, what did that do for your kids when, when you kind of, when they got away and you could see that hunger, even mentally for them? Oh, listen, listen, Mike, forget about my kids. What about me? No, yeah. me, I needed, I needed the mental break, you know, being yeah. away every week. I agree so with that. 100%. For, you know, for me as a parent, it was a tremendous mental uh, relief and break to be able to, you know, take those several weeks off. And for the right. kids, you know, also, right. They understood that they were kids. They were to go out and do other things. You know, they started taking up golf and tennis and, and other things. And, you know, you need to have that mental break, you, you know, and, and relax. I mean, if you think about about it, it as an adult, right? We think about it often. We're under a lot of stress at times working, you know, maybe you're working 40, 50, 60, 70, whatever it may be, you know, think about how you feel at the end of doing that for three or four weeks, you know, and this is really no different. Maybe they're not working 40, 50, 60, 70 hours, but there's a mental strain and toll. There's a physical one too, for being in that regimen and consistently being on, you know, on in terms of being willing to play, being willing to practice and learn. And there's a toll there. And I think we don't, you know, we talk about, you know, rest for the body, but we don't talk a lot about the rest for the mind. Right. And the really the mind, as we've seen in recent years, especially with, you know, everything from pro down to high school athletes who are running into problematic situations, the mental part of the game and taking that mental uh, decompression is just as important as taking that time off physically. Yeah, Larry, let me jump and into that too. Financially too, we'll circle back to 100%. that. Yeah. <laughs> we will. Uh, you know, forget about that. That lobster yeah, fest can cost a lot of money. Especially if you do it more um, than once a year. Yeah. But I will tell you, you know, we're talking about the money and what I will tell you, I've created some unbelievable, unbelievably great memories as a result of a lot of those trips, right, that I would never give up in a million years. But I also knew what I was getting into in advance and kind of had the ability to um, plan it out from a financial standpoint. It's those people that don't have that or kind of just get wrapped in and go, go, go that, you know, ultimately I, I find is problematic. Well, right. And, and I tell you, you know, and that's so true. Our Lake Placid trips, I special. would never in a million yeah. years trade those memories. They're just so special. And we talk about them to this day. You know, the kids have some of the best memories and they they um, develop some incredible friendships, friendships for a lifetime, too. And sometimes you, you bond a little bit better on those types of trips as well. Well, you can't put a value on that. That's the other thing too. That's, yeah. that's part of the monetary stuff. You can't put a value on Christy, as you're saying, I remember my Lake Placid trip, like, you know, that was a big moment for me in my youth, yeah. um, my, my, my teenage years. 
Um, you know, the other thing, I just want to reiterate what you said there, Larry, you know, whether it's puck podcasts or a pandemic, you, you got to take a break when you can, uh, you know, I, I, I realize this, you know, for those of you who don't know, I do, I did about 200 podcasts last year and the best advice I got was a friend said, you need to take a break. Right. And I'm like, no, I'm motoring. I'm doing it. I took a two week break. And I was like, man, I really needed that break. I didn't realize how much I needed that break. Right. And, um, I, and I knew after my son season, as you said, Larry, I knew I needed a break. Um, and I can already hear Mike, to your point, my kids are already saying, Hey, when are we going to go on the ice again? I'm like, good. That's what I want to start here. Now. Um, a couple of the notes I have here, um, Larry, I don't know what it is about you, but since you're a financial guy, um, we need to get a swear jar for Mike for the first time ever. Um, <laughs> how much would you reckon? No, I'm just Mike. I'm just kidding you. Obviously. I mean, have ho- I, well, I had no hockey this weekend, so I think yeah, I, I get it, get it out that. now, brother. That's what you got to do. Um, I want to say too. I just, apologize, Caitlin, in advance. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, you know, I, I think about the entry point. Look, I started this game with a $15 Milex stick on the streets of Havertown, Pennsylvania. And that's how I did it for two or three years before I even stepped on the ice. So Mike, to your point, we talk about getting sticks in hands. Look, great hockey players are great overall athletes. In fact, most pro athletes, we've said this many times, could be pro at another sport. That's how athletic they are. So if you are serious about making a great athlete, you have to play other sports. You have to do it. There's a limit, unlimited scientific research on this. All right. And, and we talk about this from a money standpoint that no, I got to keep paying. He won't be a good hockey player. I got to keep paying, put them in soccer, put her in soccer, put them in tennis, golf, baseball. And I know a lot of parents listening do this, right? Cause, cause we get emails all the time. It is so important just like culturally you need to be well-rounded athletically and again, look, the kid doesn't really, I don't want to say they don't care, but it's, they're going to have fun. And that's the key. You know, I think I talked about this once before, you know, they, they did this experiment with, with babies where they put an expensive toy in front of the baby and like a plastic bottle full of rice. And the kid always picked the plastic bottle full of rice because they don't know that the other one's expensive. Yeah, but wasn't that always the Christmas like time right. where you get the nice freak thing and your kid's playing with the box for five hours? Right. Like, right. What about right. playing with the thing that's in the box? You know, I mean, what are you crazy? Right. But the same thing. It's just they'll find, you know, you get, it's like anything else. And I, I love that about any sport is, you know, and I use this analogy a lot in my coaching education programs that you'll never hear a kid at a playground asking mom or dad when it's almost over. Like they'll never say, you'll never hear like, Hey, we almost done swinging on these, those bars here. Or uh, uh, can we, uh, you know, I I, I have enough of this being creative and playing, you know, soldier. I don't want to have fun anymore. Yeah. I think that, you know, it never ends. They could play and play and play and play. And that's the kind of, you know, that's the kind of environment we got to create for our kids in any sport. I'm going to say it again. I, I, I had just as much fun, if not a lot of times more fun, just playing roller hockey on my street growing up. And, I, again, there are much more distractions today. You guys know this. I am not against gaming. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not against it. I'm against doing it 24 hours a day. All right. right. But but it, it's just you know co- coming back to the financial aspect of this. There is an affordable way to do this. It doesn't break your bank. It keeps your kids sane, uh, mentally sane. There is far too much pressure in this game to make a team. And, and like I, I've said this on previous episodes, I especially my kid who's a mite, a little different when you're older. I didn't care what team he made. I just want to have a good coach. I want to have good coaching where he can develop and have a good time. That is all I care about. And I've had people come up to me and say, oh, he didn't make this team. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> care what team. I really mean that people. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a status thing for me that I could say he made this team at eight, which no one's ever going to ask him about the rest of his life, by the <laughs> way. Right. I just want him to develop and have a good time. The same thing for my daughter. So Larry, let's just, cause I do want to talk about the mental stuff for a few minutes, but um, bringing it back to the financial aspect of this, is there any other things that we missed? Is there any other advice that you have? Um, I think we covered some really great points today, just about you know basic financial kind of literacy. Um, but, but but where else do you think we need to go with this? Yeah, I mean the only other thing I would say to you is, and I think you brought up a great point there, Lee, is right. There is a team for everybody. Right. There is an opportunity to play everywhere. Don't get wrapped up that it's got to be triple A or double A or reckly, you know, wherever, you know, be realistic about where your kid fits and what the family can afford and figure out where the best coaching is that is going to be right. there. I mean, my, my son, my old, my younger son, who's at Shattuck right now, a couple of years ago had uh, a bad experience with a coach and didn't make a team. He was going to, or, or wasn't invited back to a team that, cause he was told he wasn't good enough for that team. 
decided to use that as an opportunity to go play from triple A to double A had the best, one of the best years of his life, won a New York state championship that year. And then went back in the middle of that year, decided to go back to triple A and go play for a coach that he really wanted to. And we, as a family really enjoyed and ever, you know, so, and people used to say to me, Oh, you're letting him play double A. I'm like, what are you talking about? He asked to play. He wanted to, you know, so I, I think don't get wrapped up in that. There's a place for everybody. There's a right. price point for everybody. And, you know, just, just do it more intentionally. Don't get wrapped up into it. Larry, let me ask you this. Were you more proud of him when he was on the AAA team and struggling or the way he reacted to that situation as a parent? Oh, 100% was the way that he made the decision <clears throat> and then went to that team and said, listen, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to have a good year. And, uh, you know, just handling that adversity to me was more right. important than, you know, having a bad situation on another team, hundred percent. It, it built him to who he is today and, you know, added to his character and his, his personality and him as, as a human being. And I'm going to vault on that. If there's anything that I've learned over the last two years, and this is being recorded in, in Q2, 2022, it's that humans, I'm talking about the pandemic are more resilient than anyone realized, but also ill-equipped to deal with adversity, right? The, the whole thing with the pandemic, and I'm not talking about loss, and God bless any of you out there that have lost someone during the pandemic, but our ability to get adversity and deal with it is something we mentally need to get better at, all right? Now, with that said, I, I think one of the biggest things that we don't talk about the pandemic is how our species, human beings, pivoted found a way through it when we did it, right? We're doing it, right? You know, the science and, and medicine and all of us, you know, we made it through this thing. We, we changed a lot about our lives. We don't, we don't celebrate that enough. It's an incredible thing that, that our species did globally, right? But mentally, there was a lot of things uncovered here. And I know mental fitness, mental awareness is something you're really passionate about. So just kind of rounding out this episode, I do want to talk about this because there's a massive stigma surrounding mental fitness and mental health really globally. It's not just in this country, right? And you've dedicated a lot of time to that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing with that, especially with suicide prevention, and then maybe how that's affected your parenting or, or your experience in, in high pressure sports. Yeah. So, you know, again, my, I lost my brother-in-law in 2004 to suicide. Um, he suffered from bipolar disorder, uh, was a physically fit guy, 27 years old, went to the gym every day. And he just had a, you know, a a disorder of his brain that ultimately, you know, took his life. And, um, you know, that's something that has always knowing that that happened, um, back in 2004, my oldest son was about 18 months old when we lost him. My youngest son never even met his uncle. So it was something that was very important to us. And we were always very mindful of it, mindful of it in a couple of ways. And, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a a person who's a mental health advocate, I guess you could say. And there are some things that I think parents should be aware of and, and look out for. Number one is, you know, from an environment that they're in, you know, again, to your point, Lee, we were never concerned with cost or where or what team or what level. We're always concerned with, who are we putting my son in a room with? Do we feel comfortable with them in that experience? Because if not, I don't care if they were an ex-NHLer at the highest level, they were not going to play for that team or the best skills coach, they were not going to go play for that team. So we always were aware of that. And then how are, how are they conveying the message when they win, lose, or develop the kids? Because you got to think about it. Our children are spending a lot of time with these um, role models, and they are very impressionable upon our kids. So I think as parents, we have to be aware of who we're putting our son or daughter or child, children in a room with, and it's very important. And we also have to be mindful of, you know, the pressure that's on them, right? Pressure in terms of school, pressure that we're putting on them with sport. So it, you know, it's very important to have that mental aspect. And all along the lines from my kids when they were very young, um, we were always very forthright with them. And, you know, we didn't tell them that my brother-in-law died by suicide initially, but it was, hey, Uncle Keith had a disease of the brain, which he ultimately died from. And then as they got older, more and more of the story uh, came to light and they understood that. So mental health has always been something that's important to them. And they've always realized and recognized that. 
And we've always tried to put them uh, in conjunction with people that were mindful of that and understood that and would be able to help their mental state and not tear it down. And I think that this is more important than ever. I mean, in the last several weeks alone, we've seen a couple of uh, lacrosse and soccer players die by suicide at the at the college level. Um, there was uh, recently one of the college uh, soccer players wrote an article, I forget if it was for the Tribune, uh, about her experiences and her taking a step away from the game for a while for her own mental health. It's important because, listen, if your children are not mentally healthy, forget about everything. None of this matters. And none of what we just spoke about matters. So it's very important that we have to stay in tune to that. And, you know, to, to what you said about the, the stigma, yeah, stigma is still there, 100%. But I will tell you this, uh, as opposed to where we were 14, 15, 17 years ago when my brother-in-law passed, we're far along from where we were back then. We're still not there yet. Um, and, you know, we've had some great folks on, on our show, uh, Eric, uh, Eric Cusin, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He has a podcast called We're All a Little Crazy, um, which he speaks with uh, Theo Fleury is on his board from the yeah. NHL talking advocate. about mental mental health, massive oh, yeah. advocate, yeah. you know, and he talks about, Theo talks about uh, being in his car with a gun, a loaded gun in his hand. Yeah. And, you know, he, he didn't want to die because it was, it was over. He was, he was exhausted. He was exhausted. He just wanted rest. And we can't let our kids get to that level. So number one is be, be mindful of who you're putting your kids in a room with. Right. Uh, make sure it's somebody you're comfortable with. And if something's not right, make sure you address it. Uh, number two, keep an eye on your kids and understand when they're exhausted. Maybe it's not that they don't want to get up at six o'clock in the morning and get in the car for two hours. Maybe there's something else going on there. And, you know, just be open to have those conversations with the kids so they can express to you if they are having some mental, right. you know, drainings or troubles, because that conversation can ultimately uh, save their life and a lot of uh, strife for you and your family. So I think it's a very important piece and we have to pay as much, if not more attention to that than the physical side of things. Yeah. Larry, that was very well put. And, and I'll tell you too, that one of the things we say, and, and you know, I'm a, I'm a mental fitness advocate as well, is that I say mental fitness because everybody knows what physical fitness is. Everybody knows that right. your brain is very similar what are you doing for the fitness of your mind? You'll go to the gym every day. You'll work on your body every day, but we do maybe 2% of that for our mind. And it really needs to be more like 50, 50, where I say hundred percent and hundred um, percent. And, and as you said too, it is changing. I'm seeing this in my own coaching because the work that I do for teams is being much more widely accepted. Um, and really I'm at the first point of my career, Mike and Christy, that uh, I, I haven't talked to you guys about this, that, that I'm being asked in game situations, what's the mental approach to this situation. I've never been asked that before. I've always thought about it, <laughs> but I'm being asked that by, by tactical people and head coaches now. So um, it's going the right direction, but there is a lot of ground to, to make up here. And Larry, we need people like you. And, and I know Mike and Christy are advocates of this as well to continue to push this forward. So I, I want to thank you for your work in that. I, I'm sorry about the loss of your brother, obviously. And um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired that you found strength in that situation to do what you're doing. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. We didn't want him to go quietly. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So Christy and Mike, I'm going to wrap this up unless you have any other questions, because this could go for another six hours. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Wow. I mean, we, we went in all different kinds of directions, but there were so, so much important topics that we touched upon. And I hope, especially the younger parents who are just getting on board with hockey, you can learn a lot from this episode. Sure and, uh, thanks. Thanks for being on Larry. And, uh, you know, certainly enjoy, you know, following you and I'm sure you could give your, uh, your Instagram and Twitter uh, information out, but it's really fun to, you know, kind of see what you're doing and around the rinks in the country and following your kids. But I think more importantly, you know, just understanding that you, you, you certainly can help so many different people, you know, meld these two worlds together, which is, which is great. I appreciate it. Thank you. all. Yeah. And I'll say this. I know for you listening at home, there's many of you probably have, oh, I've got a question I want to ask. Well, look, you can email us at team at our kids play If you have a question you want to ask broadly, but Larry, I would like to give the audience the opportunity to contact you as well. Uh, Cause I know financials can be a personal thing. So where can people follow you? Where can people find you? 
Yeah. So on every social media platform, except for Instagram, I'm Lawrence Sprung, L-A-W-R-E-N-C-E underscore Sprung. And on Instagram, I'm Larry Sprung. Um, so if you ever have a question, you can shoot me a message there. I'd be happy to connect with you. Uh, every month, like Mike said, I run a uh, guess what rink Larry's at, uh, where I put up a one minute clip from a rink I'm at, you guess, and we pick a winner after a week and donate $100 to their charity of choice. So if you get the, the rink right and tag your charity, you might even raise some money for your uh, charitable cause, whatever that may be. So thanks for that plug, Mike. Appreciate it. No, I've yeah, it's it. almost as big as the Butchergrass challenge, but it's getting there. So it's good. <laughs> yeah, one day at a time. Well, Larry, this has been fantastic. And I appreciate coming on. This might be one of those ones we have to do a part two, depending on how big the mailbag gets. But uh, I appreciate you coming so. on. And, and you no, know, no, it's our pleasure and, and having this. And, and Kristen, to your point, that's why I love this show, because we go so many different directions. And these are the conversations that uh, hockey families need to be having. And that's why we created the podcast. Uh, I want to thank all you listening once again. This podcast has grown. We are in the top 30 regularly in hockey now, which is incredible. We're infiltrating the NHL market. So I think it's fantastic that you're finding value in this, and we're all humbled uh, that you're letting us lead you on that journey. But with that said, that's going to do it for this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. Again, you can see and listen to all of our episodes at OurKidsPlayHockey.com wherever podcasts can be heard. So for Larry Sprung, Mike Benelli, and Christy Casciano-Burns, I'm Lee Elias. We'll see you on the next edition of our kids play hockey have a great day everybody we hope you enjoyed this edition of our kids play hockey make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening whether it's a podcast network a social media network or our website ourkidsplayhockey.com also make sure to check out our children's book when hockey stops at whenhockeystops.com it's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.